This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. (whistles) Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Knockout takes, Almunia saves, knockout follows in, Almunia saves again. And now Watford are on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Trondini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Well, good evening, everybody. Yeah, that was indeed. I think after Saturday, a number of people came on and described themselves after the Leicester game as frustrated. I didn't feel frustrated after Saturday. I certainly feel frustrated after that. What do we make of that, guys? Do come on, request, let us know what you think. For me, there was a number of interesting things, shall we say. I thought uh, goals change games and change momentum, and I think we've seen that no more like we've seen that game. And yet our second goal seemed to stop our flow and our momentum completely and allow uh, a Norwich team that wasn't really threatening to to pull up any trees back in into a game to uh, to really, yes, absolutely take take all the points. And on, on fairness, if the game comes down to a dominant second half display until that moment, and then we let a team who aren't threatening to do anything pick us apart, come down the left side like there's no right back, which is coincidentally what was there at the time. I thought actually Tom Deli Bishiru and Kone's interaction down that right-hand side in the second half was some of the best stuff that we had going on. But Tom Daddy Bashiru, I think he's a good player, but I still don't think he's a right back. And then we brought on Dennis onto the left-hand side and we had the frustrating Dennis. We had the Dennis that keeps giving the ball away. We had the Dennis who was surely cleared out for the third goal. For me, I'd, I'd be interested to see what everybody else's thoughts are on that because I could be in a, a minority of one. And then the heads went completely. The question is, we've had a really good run of away games. Looked like we were fighting to try to keep that in with the most spectacular goal from Aspria, our first one. 
was was an odd goal that was a, a great ball in from Kone, Semmer putting the ball across and then a bit of a anything will do to get it in the back of the net finish from Rybic. But again, what do you guys think? That's the important stuff. That's the important stuff today. Let's get across to, let's open up the uh, the calls as early as we can, get into everybody. Let me add in Dylan, see what we think there. Dylan, sir, hit your, hit your mute button and let me know what you make of, of this strange events this evening. Oh, I've got to start my bit off with <laughs> saying sorry to everyone who I might have got the hopes up of over the Nor- after the Norwich game, my phone in and my phone in on Saturday when I said we usually take six points from Norwich. I echo very similar things to you. Their first goal, not really sure what Lewis was doing. Second, it's not an unfair penalty at all. They're, clearly Hoyt has smacked <laughs> the life out of the back of the Norwich player. But it's just unlucky because he's blindsides Hoyt and Nick's in there. He does, uh, but but if you're Wesley Hoot, in the box, you don't have that much time. And it just felt like one of those times, and I appreciate when the ball goes into our box and it's a scramble, for every Watford supporter, it feels like time slows down. But it really looked like it did, and he, he just had a lazy kind of roll at it. Not having a go at Hoot, but just Chris season. But in that moment, it's get the ball away, get the ball away. And it just seemed it seemed lazy and gave him the chance to stick his leg in. Sorry, I do apologise. No, I'll oh, shut up, sorry. No, I agree. It's, it was lazy, but I also was explaining to my friends that what we had, I, I was watching Hive Live, and I was explaining to my friends what we've got, 22, 23 senior players. These players are just shat, shot to shit, really, aren't they? They are so, so tired and look so off it. I also completely agreed with you. You usually think when you score goals, that adds a bit of momentum to go for more. But it looked like we were happy once we got to all that. Yeah. That was it. We look wicked. We'll take the point away from Norwich and that's sorted. But we got it on what? The 60th odd minute? We're like, you've still got so much of a game to go. I thought Kone, as you said, I thought Kone did look quite good, but he's been one of my standouts of the season. So I'm happy to say that. Did Ryovic offer much? No. Does he ever? No. Did he score a goal that he usually does? Yeah. So I don't know what to think, but once again, that comes from a question of recruitment. We did not get a striker in over January. You've got Delibashiru, who, as you said, is not a right-back, not the worst player in the world. And like when he brings in his midfielder traits into the right-back role, especially in that now modern inverted full-back role, mm-hmm. he, like, he looks quite good at that point because he's playing like a midfielder. But you ask him to defend, and you're also asking him at that point then if he's ever played football. Yes. <laughs> Hamer did all Hamer could. Maybe on the fourth, not fourth, on the third goal, those sort of tight angle ones, it's very easy to blame a keeper, but I also don't think you can really blame Hamer. Same with the second one, he saved it, and our defenders weren't quick enough. Or well, he did go straight back to Sargent, but a keeper saves a penalty. You can't ask him to do much more. No, true. Uh, yep. They, they, everyone just looked that little bit slow, and especially Dennis. I thought that was out of everything coming back. I was never a believer of the like sort of second coming of Christ. This is his redemption. Oh my God, he's back, sort of thing. I was never a big fan of that. But I, this really looking off the mark, and I think. Genuinely, I think Kone was probably our only bright spot today, if you want to call it that. Of course, you've got the Espria goal, which was beautiful, but how many times do you score that? One in every hundred? One in every... Like, 
realistically, we got beaten 4-1 today and had a really cool little moment for about five minutes of celebrating wonder goal. But then Jaden Philogene, I checked on Twitter, scores a better goal. <laughs> so he, that wasn't even the best goal scored in the championship today. But yeah, it was a, br- a pretty rubbish game and I just feel very deflated. Well, it puts obviously the emphasis on Rotherham. However, where we are now is in the last couple of games, or the last two or three games, Norwich have got a run and they're now up into sixth. We are sitting in 12th on 41 points. They're on 48 points. It is it is a kind of a, probably going to be a repeat of last season, but with in terms of where we're likely, shall I say, mm. to finish in terms of the, uh, the season as it goes. But we've got to make sure that we start ensuring that that actually tonight it's not a klaxon and it's not alarm bells because we do have an eminently winnable game, which I appreciate after the last few yeah. games is a dangerous thing to say, but we do. And it means that they've got to go there and they've got to go and do it at the New York Stadium on Saturday because yeah. we were talking and asking people and everyone's had maybe four, six points if we're lucky from the next two. Well, we haven't got those really creative people, including I think yourself as well said, well, and if you look beyond that as Huddersfield, can we get seven and get it back on track? Well, we can still get six, but it's, it's a big ask because one of the things that's been a huge thing for us this season has been the determination and the kind of not prepared to say die kind of attitude that we've seen from the players. And and I think that's a hugely likable trait and you're always going to lose games. We can't pretend that you're not, and we're going to lose them in disappointing ways, but we need to make sure that what we saw tonight in terms of just everything going a little bit AWOL and, and looking like, Oh, well they scored. So we've given up at that point because we've got two, two all. We'll be happy with that. Oh, they've got a third. Oh, Oh, they've got a fourth. We need to bring that kind of level of determination to try to bring it back in. It was almost like the second goal went in too early and it gave them a chance to actually <laughs> get upset and come and have a go at us. But I didn't think that there was very much that Norwich had needing to hurt us and yet they score four. And that's the damning indictment of, as you say, what was Jamal Lewis doing on the first one? The, uh, the giving away the penalty was poor, but we're going to have some poor performances. We know that we're going to have, we've had a, a, a blistering away run and it's come to an end. You know, yeah, that, I, I I completely agree. And I I think actually I was having this chat before with people. I think in, in life in football, you're gonna win games, you're gonna draw games, you're gonna lose games, and all you care is that they try. And actually, up until well, yeah, straight after the Espria goal goes in, I did think we gave it a fair whack. We then just went, Oh, we're happy now and we stopped. But what I my sort of question, maybe not to yourself, because I feel like you're very well, yeah, you're Valin. But I would like to ask maybe for some people who will come on in a bit, but the people who scream Val out or whatever, where did you expect us to be at this point? Because as you're saying, we're doing well, we over the summer we lost Pedro, we lost Saar, we lost some we lost some incredibly talented players, maybe not the most squad and club driven, but we lost some incredible talent and our squad got significantly weaker. And as we all know, the big word rebuild comes around after and before every single game. This is a rebuild season. I'd love to know what people expected Val to be able to do with this squad and with how threadbare it is. And I, I think he's doing well. I think we've been on this, as you said, we've been on this amazing away run. And that was that was going to have to come to an end because uh, as runs always do, it has to come to an end. We have not had an awful season and we do still have a lot of winnable games coming up. And I still, as you said, and I, I still think we're trying. I still think every game we do turn up. I'm always trying to stay positive, but I do think we turn up and we try at every available opportunity. We're just sometimes that little bit off the mark. And I think mostly to me, that just comes down to depth. Like even when you play, I don't know, your FIFAs or football managers, 
you like to have a thinner squad, but Christ, not this thin. And that's in like your old sort of fantasy worlds. I, I think that's my question is with this squad, I, I think Val's done a really good job. So I'd love to actually hear why people believe he should go because I think the players are trying. What more can you ask? There you go. Dylan, thank you, sir. Lovely start to the show. <laughs> Who am I kidding? The spaces. Let's get Ant on now. Ant often comes on to music. I don't know if he's in the mood after a 4 2 defeat uh, to give us a theme tune, but if he is, Ant, now is the time to kick it in. Very good. Oh, we, he's still going, everyone. Where the oh, fuck were our magic moments, Pete? We had one, and then it all went to rat shit, to be quite frank. We got back to two all, and then they, they stopped. A player with undoubted talent, people will ask, how often does he show it, or what more can he can he do, or he's not there? And that's fine. People's opinions of players is, is valid, but what a stunning strike on the night. Even if Philogene has apparently beaten it, I'm going to have to, have to have a look at that. I think it's one of those, I don't you have to say, the, the onus that it puts on us now is to sort out the home form. Because we were fifth in terms, I think it was best away form, 24th at home. And so we need to reverse that trend and get this one back on form, don't we? Brilliant pulled a few magic moments. Don't get me wrong. He's a brilliant lad. I want fucking, we love him. I want him. Keep him. Don't fucking let go of him for a couple of seasons. He'd develop. It'd be fucking awesome. However, I can't get my head around these tactics. The team, when I saw it today, I was like, what the fuck's he doing? Like, I can't. And what annoys me at the minute, Pete, you're probably one of them. I don't know. To be fair, you're not actually really one of them. I heard a lot of other people being like, oh, we lost today. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what I'm, I am or what I'm not. No, no, I'm, I'm sure you're like, I'm a wanker to, to a degree, so you probably are as well. But um, there's so many people on Twitter now. Oh, we took lots of positives out today, like, even though we did lose. It's like, look, you can take a thousand positives about 20 losses. It's not fucking good enough. We need to start turning these positives into fucking wins, yeah? And since Christmas... I don't know how many wins we've got. I think we've had since Christmas, what we had two wins. Have we? Maybe that and the rest of the draws and a few losses. It's fucking getting stupid now. It's, it's actually getting ridiculous, Pete. I've had enough. The way we've right, let's have a look. Let's has been absolutely ridiculous. No, uh, when we first, the first game of the season, banging. First goal, for, what was it, 20 seconds, happy days. But we played with urgency and we looked like a team who was like going out to get on it. I don't know if the players are just knackered now or whatever, but something's not working. We're not on it. And the substitution the teams we're putting out at the minute are just dire. And I'm getting fed up of all these happy cappers. And I'm going to say it, these fucking happy cappers. I'll take positive out today. We've fucking drawn fucking five games. I don't give a fuck we've drawn five games, Pete. We need to win games, mate. We, we, mate my granddad, my poor old granddad, I swear he just follows Watford just to, like, bond with me. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the poor flow's getting terrorised every week. Like, he's like, he was one nil up the other day and he lost it. I'm like, I know, granddad. But like, do you know what I mean? And all these people are like, oh, we what? take the positive about this game, we take the positive out of that game. How many positives have you got to take out a fucking loss? You can take a thousand positives out of a thousand losses. That's not, if we ain't winning games, okay, okay. Us, yep. it, really. All right, and you've had your say there, and I've got no problems with anybody thinking whatever they think. So let's say all of the happy clappers, as you describe them, all turn around and say, and you're absolutely right, we're shit. What difference does it make? It don't make a lot of difference, but I just want to admit that we're different. So, so, why, no, do you, so why do you care? Not, it's like people, we that, lose, that's what I want to know. Said before, 
We lose a game, a home game, and we get battered. People are clapping us. Why are we clapping the fucking team when we're getting battered? We shouldn't be getting battered. Our team is good enough. It's not quality. Don't get me wrong. It's not like top-tier championship team. Our team right. is like top-end, shall we say. We should be top-end. And we're clapping people off for losing and fucking making stupid mistakes. And I've had enough of it now. And people are getting like blocked. I got blocked on Twitter saying I didn't want your song playing. Do you know what I mean? People are blocking people on Twitter and getting annoyed at people on Twitter. Like, this is really weird. But you're getting annoyed. But hold on a second. You're getting annoyed at people on Twitter because they're saying that and you're saying yeah, other people... because they're blocking, blocking people for uh, stupid uh, what, shit. Uh, I don't go around blocking uh, people. Uh, Why have your opinion? It's fine. Be a happy clapper. Uh, I don't uh, No, no, I, I don't... Well, you clearly do because you've just you basically just given us a very good five minute tirade as to why they shouldn't be. Now you're entitled to that. I'm not saying you can't come here and say that. Of course you bloody can. But I'm going to ask questions about it because you know me. I'm a pain in the ass. So if people turn around and go, "Yeah, we're crap." What difference does that make to your life? As a Watford supporter, everybody is going to have different opinions. The the beauty of this game is that it is entirely subjective, i.e. I can look at it and you can look at it and we'll see different things. And we might see different things in different players and strengths and weaknesses and how the game is played. And some people will look at this and go, but look at the difference in terms of the determination. The thing that I've suggested when absent today and it's been a little bit wobbly since Christmas, I don't disagree with you, that that's not there. That's what we need back. It's, nah. it's absolutely fine to point this out. Other people will look at it and go, no, it's not good enough. They're there to win games. They're professional players. They are paid a goodly sum. They are as per the accounts a reasonable sum and therefore they are expected to provide the point isn't the fact that you have a difference of opinion the point is yeah get annoyed at the club but don't get annoyed at and, and people not, shouldn't be getting annoyed, annoyed at you people, for saying that and you should get annoyed oh, for other people you can't keep saying oh we have to be positive like after game after game right now I'll be completely honest with you. I think what the problem is with me yeah. is I had like low expectations going into this season. I thought like, yeah, maybe 11th, 12th, might get that. And the season started off so well that now my expectation, I mean, do you know what I mean? I, I expect high expectations anyway, but I thought, yeah, 10th, I thought 11th, 12th, I'll be happy with that. And the way we started off was fucking brilliant. Like, this, the first half of the season, maybe the first like 15 games, have been uh-huh. completely different to like the last 15 games now. And we're not even fucking nicking wins or nothing. We're just, we're just absolutely shite. We're just so shit at the minute. And the things we're pissed about, we're like, oh, it's positive. So it's like, no, like, look, look, like, how many wins have we got since Christmas? Does anyone know? Do you know? Is it two? I can tell you, we have had two, two. but one of those was Chester. Exactly. We've had one, but, uh, oh, sorry, great. one in the league. One in the Fucking league. Fucking well done, well so, done. And exactly what you just said earlier on about the first 15 games and you thought you were going to kind of like be guarded about it, we all know the phrase, it's the hope that kills. It's when your expectations come up and you're hoping to see something more and then we don't. It's exactly the same as some people hoping we're going to make some good recruitments in the uh, in the window and then we don't. And that's it's the hope that hurts more. So some, sometimes people will be defensive about it. Other times they won't be. Hey, mate, it's, it's late, so I'm going to go off to, uh, to, to other people. Hello, my name's Chris Stark. I'm from Peter Crouch Podcast, and you are listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. <laughs> at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. 
That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Let's get to let's get to Mr. Alan Lathwell. Then we're going to come to Wendover. Then we come into Aaron. Then we come into Robert. Then we're coming to Danny. So, guys, I hope everybody is is okay after that, and especially after what we just heard from Ant. Let's keep, let's keep it in perspective. It's absolutely fine to be pissed off with a with with a bad performance and with a bad run of results that we have had. You can say what you like about the club. Just chill a bit and make sure you're all right. That's number one, Mr. Alan Lathwell, sir. How you doing? Well, yesterday I cracked the two feet in the Greg's. Oh, for God's sake! This- Everybody, as this has gone no. a bit late night radio, I thought I might as well just join in. This is now. This is basically we're now two for two. Everybody, we're just going to stop the spaces right now before before an epidemic kicks in. <laughs> oh, and my wife had a tooth out today as well. That's three. Oh, oh, mate, it's God. catching. Honestly, no. it's going to get. It's, get, it's getting <laughs> worse. Never mind. Never mind. Obviously, we want to talk about tonight, but I also want to know exactly how was your drive back after Saturday? Sat next to a a next door neighbour of yours who was a Leicester fan. Was it a unbearable <laughs> b I, dro- I dropped him off somewhere south of northampton <laughs> or c any of the above well we, we, we've lived next door to each other for the best part of 10 years and he's a good lad and we go easy on each other when it comes to football to be fair so we, we uh, post uh, match we went and had a nice meal in latista before we headed back up the m1 so it was all very civilized and actually quite enjoyed the game to be fair frustrated because yeah. i felt that we we were worth at least a point on Saturday and and feeling the same tonight, if not even more frustrating, because I actually felt that prior to even getting the goals that we did get, one, we tried terribly hard to not score and (laughs) then a a thunderbolt from uh, Spria. But there were other chances in that game. And I think if we'd taken those chances, we might have had a different outcome. But the frustrating thing for me is accepted a long time ago that this season was going to be a roller coaster and for all the good that followed Leicester away or Sunderland away or combination of the two that there was going to be a period where it would go a bit south and and we're in that period at the minute and we need to uh, we need to just get a result by by, by which I mean a win uh, in any way shape yep. or form what's the, the a few things that really disappointed me tonight uh, I actually felt we gave up at 4-2. Mm. I felt it had the feel of a, a, a pre-season friendly, and I was so angry about it. If I was Val, I'd have them locked in that dressing room till 2am, and then I'd be telling them, you better get back to fucking Watford quick because you're in training at fucking 6am, and you're going to be there till 6pm, and it's going to be like that all fucking week. That's how I deal cool. with that, that performance. And then what I do is I'll get them in that training ground tomorrow morning, and I'll get a video of that game, and I'll give them four hours of fucks continuously until it sinks in and that you're you, being called back in uh, uh, <laughs> until it sinks in that you can't perform like that it's one thing losing the game of football it's you know it, you can talk about mistakes how soft all four goals were but what i can't abide is players giving up and in the last 15 minutes they gave up seriously they would get their fucking asses handed to them on a the plate if i had anything to do with it they really would There'd be known it would be brutal, absolutely brutal, because not putting it in is, is the worst thing that can happen in football to me. It's even worse than it. Losing the game is one thing. 
but not putting it in the final 15 minutes like that they did tonight, I know, I'm not having that. Really ain't. But uh, aside from my anger about that, let's talk about Atwell. This is, without question, <laughs> the most corrupt official in world football. This stems back to the Reading game many moons ago, those that remember. He was the twat that gave that goal. Everybody can blame the linesman for flagging, but ultimately he had a better view and he gave the goal. Somehow this buffoon has made it onto a FIFA list and we've seen tonight challenges on a spreeer, a challenge that didn't go particularly well noticed on Porteous in the box, which was a billion percent a penalty that was just ignored a challenge on boots where his shirt was literally taken off his back not dealt with there were and, and those are the ones that i can just remember how that man is allowed to officiate at any level of football is beyond me it, it, it's just staggering that's allowed to happen you award failure with a promotion to the highest level of the game. And somehow this moron has got into the PGMOL at the highest level, is refereeing in the Premier League and the Championship. He shouldn't be anywhere near park football, let alone Premier League football. It's just staggering. It really is staggering. But I'm going to move on from those bits that have made me angry and talk about the one bit of positivity from tonight. Fire away. Football is a bit of a hate-love-hate thing in my eyes. The one bit of love tonight and the reason why we all all love the game is for those moments that you remember that illuminate a game. And that goal from Espria is exactly that. The arc of that ball, if you look at the shot from behind the goal, is just extraordinary, the movement on that ball from, what, 28 yards into the top bins. That is an absolutely outstanding piece of skill. And I think we've, I think there's been moments where we've seen efforts like that from Espria and we thought, oh, he's unlucky or the keeper's made a save or it's hit the woodwork. And the fact that he scored that goal tonight wasn't a surprise to me. It, it, I think that's been coming. And I like to think that there's more of that to come. For all the points made about the lack of investment in the squad and the ownership situation mm-hmm. and all that there are a few bits to be uh, positive about uh, sorry Ant, if you're still listening but in terms no it, give it, give him something to be positive no, about I, I think and Kone are, are talented players and they're a joy to watch and I hope that we can keep them long enough to knit something resembling a decent side around them because the, it, it they are a pleasure to watch. And, and I sat next to my mate on Saturday and he said to me exactly the same thing. He was so impressed with Kone and what Kone he offers us. Should have been wearing blue. Yeah, yeah. and it's, those are the positive things. And you can't hope that we can somehow knit together a side that gets the best out of them. That I think the worry is that we'll end up in that situation again where more likely than not, good bids coming over the summer. I don't think we're in a position where we can, um, we can turn it down. I think that's the problem. And it's heartbreaking to see good young players come through 
like that, um, representing the club and, and then ultimately getting sold on at such a young age, it, it'll be a shame. But I think, you know, where, where we are at the minute, it's more likely than not, isn't it? Let's be fair. Yes, I would suggest, well, you don't have to listen to mine. The, from the Rookery End put out a mic talking to Kieran Maguire. So anybody who knows the price of football, listen to that. But it basically echoes what I put out last Friday, yeah. I think it was, having gone, gone through it. Yes, I would suggest unless there is some form of incoming investment, but even if there isn't, no, actually, incoming investment would really help because we made technically a profit. Therefore, now is the time to actually play up against the, you can lose 13 million, 13 million, 13 yeah. million, which for any, if anybody's not aware is the financial fair play within the championship. So we can actually, we could actually play against it, but the problem is the money isn't there. So I think we're going to be having to cut our cloth. I think we're going to have to be cutting those top end wage earners. And the question then becomes, what does the model start to be? How does it start to differentiate from the pre-Pozzo model? How do we actually start to make that academy actually work in some way, shape or form? How do we do something not unlike those guys up the road, I'm sorry to say, because that's the honest yeah. truth of, dip, of dipping into the lower leagues and finding li- little gems and polishing them up the um, to take us and take it I, further. I think it's a good Sorry, I, I think it's a good point to make reference to the previous ownership because I think we're at the moment it, it, certainly in terms of on the pitch if not in, in the boardroom I think we're almost at the level of where we were at before Potso came along but the other fundamental thing is and unless my my memory serves me incorrectly did we not have, when they arrived, a top-tier academy? And that was one of the first the decisions that they made was to, to basically dispense with it. Am I right in saying that? Um, I can't. I, I don't think we got a top. I think we were planning for it, but in and around that time. Triple P, the Elite Player Performance Plan, which was basically forced through by all of those kind of top six clubs, as you would imagine, yeah. in order to allow a not reasonable because they're still trying to get that, but to allow the TV revenue to be dispersed throughout the leagues, basically held it, and therefore you've got basically it's all in their favour. So yeah. you see Sancho's, you see Harry Amass's going, and again, I think the question that will be Richard Johnson and Jimmy Gilligan and everybody at the club and everybody at every single academy be it league be it category one or category two or a or b or whatever Mm. is going to be the question of how do we differentiate how do we prepare young players to come through and be ready for the level of football that we're playing we've seen andrews come through and do reasonably well although for some reason he's no longer the first choice right back because we've got a midfielder who plays there i think that we need to make sure we bring in i think pete on that thing there i think that's a an age and fatigue kind of scenario and trying to manage his game time i think we borderline go a little bit too far the other way with him now by uh, by giving yeah. him less and less time. But I think that was originally the reason. Actually, Delhi Bashiru isn't a right back, as we all know, but I think his performances in that position have improved considerably. But it is clearly not the answer to an alternative right back uh, to Andrews. And I'm not sure Ngaka is either. And, and and his contract is up at the end of the season anyway. And I, I can't imagine he'll be here next year. So it, 
I think you look at players who play a lot of football at a young age, and the two that I most commonly pull out are Cesc Fabregas and uh, and Wayne Rooney, who played first-team football from literally the ages of 16 forward. What you're doing by basically trying to make sure you're protecting them at the moment, you're protecting the back end of their career, which in realistic terms, Watford ain't going to have that. We're not going to have Ryan Andrews. He's not going to be Nigel Gibbs. We're not going to see that from a player here because, one, the lad is is, going to be too valuable a commodity. He's going to move on. So I think ethically and morally... Absolutely get it completely from a point of view of getting Watford's best value out of one, the player as a player, and he will want to play because we, let's face it, we all remember when we were 19 and 20 and you could play every bloody day and then twice on Saturdays if mm. you wanted to. You've got, the, you've got the energy. I understand why they have to work in you know, injury red zones and all of that, but hey, but, ho, we, oh, we will just see. Just very quickly to, to pick up on a point you made on. about protecting players. I think there's some examples of players that played an awful lot at the beginning of their career and then ultimately fizzled out. And I, I think Fabregas is a great example well, of that, personally. I, I, maybe not so with Fabregas, because I think he was still playing at a reasonably high level in his very early 30s. But I'm thinking the likes of Joe Cole. I'm thinking Robbie Fowler. I'm thinking Michael Owen. Those, those players were pretty much spent before they were 30, really. And that they played a lot at a very young age. But there's a flip side to that. You've got machines like Ronaldo, who... who came through at 17, 18 and, and is, is still playing 20 odd years later. So there are examples going the other way, but I think it, it, it is a difficult one and, and trying to give players an opportunity to develop and have a, a good career in the game. And ultimately, we will need to be able to generate revenue from the sale of our assets because that's the nature of where we are as a club. There are most Absolutely. clubs are selling clubs, even at the highest level. There are very few clubs that are in a position where ultimately they do not sell on assets. It's just the reality. And I get that. However, the accounting model and the business model that we have now effectively dictates that where we are, and it's going to get increasing unless we reduce costs or increase revenue streams in other areas are going to be having to produce players circa twenty million pounds worth of income to cover the losses, and that's a conservative estimate. Yeah, it's rabbit out. So it, it really it, is a rabbit out scenario. Yeah, and it, it was why on my talk about the uh, the accounts, I linked it to the strategy and said the one thing that because all or everything that's gone on, and I have to say this, and I appreciate some people will spit on the floor as I say it. When we had actually Gino, they said all of this was going to happen. The one thing they said was going to happen that hasn't was we were going to be signing more players to cover those young, those again, those young gems to polish up and move them on. We will see how we move on. Alan, brilliant call, sir. Thank you very much indeed. But we've got loads of people. You've all been waiting. I will come to you. I promise. Aaron, sir. Hi, uh, yeah, sorry. If my connection's bad, I am on a bench in the middle of Norwich somewhere. Um, <laughs> That's the best excuse I've ever had. I'm sorry if my reception's bad, but I'm in Norwich. That's good. Yeah, go on. Um, go on, mate. No, I just, tonight was so frustrating, but I think it's a culmination of just the recent run. Uh-huh. And the resonating point with me is that we were clearly on a good sort of streak before Christmas. And we've got a manager who I quite like the ideas of. I think a lot of the other fans probably agree. And then we get to, and I'm sorry, I've not been in since the transfer window, so I'm sorry to bang on about it. No no worries, but, say whatever you want. No problem, mate. But to go into that transfer window and bring in one senior player and lose, uh, and effectively come out with net one less senior player, is just bonkers. I think we're seeing the effects of it now. The fact we have one senior striker in Ryovic to play, and 
like, bless him, I guess he's trying, but, like, he's not producing. He scored a goal today, which, I mean, from the replay, which I saw in the concourse, it looks like he tried to miss it. And I can't help but point to the recruitment. We're going backwards, and I feel for Val, because it's not one for him not trying. We were flying before Christmas, and now we're starting, we're getting a bit of a slump. And it's because we've got such a thin squad and he's having to make do with what we've got and put square pegs in round holes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I said, uh, we've just been talking about obviously the accounts and money. And yes, it is scarce, even though we have made a profit. So there was actually money there to invest, first of all. So how close we got to some, how close we didn't to others, the reason, uh, we'll, we'll never know. So let's not worry about that. But I agree with you completely. We were already a thin squad. And I remember t- chatting to Ron and Ron was saying, it's a skeleton squad. And I said, it's thin. And he said, it's a skeleton squad. And then the next two days we'd spoken to him, we spoke to each other again afterwards and loser had gone out and who else, somebody else had gone out. And I went, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, I agree with you now. It's a skeleton squad. We've got 22 senior players and 11 are playing and you need nine substitutes. That means that it's a very thin margin of errors in the in, in fairness, give them their due. The injury side of the club is working overtime to make sure that thin squad can stay fit and on the pitch. The problem is, can they give 100% when they're turning up Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday? It's just, it's so many games in so little time that it, it's a, it, it just becomes a silly point. There was a, what I thought, frankly, I thought was a comical headline in the Watford Observer, not because of Andrew French, but because of what Val said. He turned around and said, it's not the size of the squad, it's the schedule. That's our complete fucking point. Because of the schedule, you need to have greater depth, greater cover. Quote, unquote, it's a squad game. And if you don't have a squad, good luck trying to make sure that in the 60th minute, when they were bringing on Sydney Van Hoydonk, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. We only have players of, of so much fitness. Dennis came on the left-hand side and I thought did the best audition to play up front in the centre that I've ever seen because he just couldn't, he wouldn't keep it. He kept giving it away. His best touch was getting a foul for the third goal for them, which should have been given but wasn't. And he is not fit. So he's having to get a tune out of a very tired squad here. It, it, to, to, to my mind, and I don't think that that transfer window has has helped us. And it doesn't matter, as I say, I don't care how close or how far away we were to doing that. It's down to it's been down to in, in the last six months when we went and saw Gino and Scott and we saw Giretta and Manga. But that's Manga and Giretta and now Nani. And all we've managed to do is bring in on loan Emmanuel Dennis, who is half fit. Now, I get that. It was worth the risk, and it still is worth the risk. His fitness will improve or come back in. He's taking a sacrifice. Nobody's having a go at him there. But is that what they've been doing for six months, really? Yeah, no, no, and that's absolutely it. And in, in that regard, then I look to the people that are maybe calling. I've seen not too many, but I've seen a couple call for Val's head. And in that, I ask, well, what do you expect to happen if someone else comes in? Because it, it, you're going to have the same set of players there for them to choose from. So I can't see anything changing. And like you say with the accounts, it's a scary prospect, the fact that we're now going to have to rely on selling the the sort of stars and hoping that we bring more stars in. The the rebuild is slowly looking more and more bleak. To me, I just, I really hope we see some light soon and we absolutely have to see the the short-term light of a win Saturday. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah. That's uh, the important thing is, is this season is to try to make sure that we can pick selective results out and be strong enough and try and stay in and around mid, uh, mid table. Now I know when we get to, to Nelly later on, he'll tell me he'll tell me we're going to be fifth because he's uh, he, he's an ever so such a positive soul, and I don't want that be taken out of anybody. If that's how you see the game, that's how you see the game. For me, we need to see a little bit like today, but throughout the season, we need to see enough highlights in games as we saw with Espria, but we need to see, make sure that against Rotherham, we go out and we put in a professional performance and we demonstrate that we have a superior squad and a superior ability. And we actually do exactly what Anne said earlier on. We take that and we convert it into points on the board because one league win since Boxing Day is, well, actually one one league win since the 23rd, actually, December. That's not good. That's not good enough for anybody in terms of where you would want your club to be. Nobody has a right, a divine right to claim that, but it's what you would want, isn't it, sir? Right, so you're, you're there. Are you also going to be travelling uh, Rotherham bound or are you... Uh, or are you, you stopping over on the bench in uh, in Norfolk for a bit? No, I, I will be at Rotherham as well. Yeah. So what are you hoping to see? Having been there tonight, first question, because it's, it's always great to ask people who are in the crowd. We could hear the noise you were making and the one team in yellow exchange. Unfortunately, we lost that particular one, 30-15, but good shouting. Did the players come over at the end? Because obviously it was a sucker punch. Did they come over and, and acknowledge the supporters? I'm going to be totally honest with you. I, I had left 89 minutes. Ah, fair enough. No. Okay. It's one of those things that it's just it just grinds my gears when they don't, especially when oh, something's gone yeah. wrong. No, I, I'm absolutely the same. In fact, it's also something I like to see from the manager. I don't, I, yeah, I like to say, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I left early, slightly early today, but it, it's something I like to see from both the squad and the manager. I think those guys that stay till the end every game, you must be over there at least showing your affection for them, whether you've gone out of there and lost five. Nil or not. Absolutely. And and the difference is, of course, you paid to be there. They were paid to be there. That's that's why it's fundamentally completely different. Aaron, sir, have a good sleep on that bench. Have a good journey back. In about, oh, I don't know, about 20 minutes or so, we are releasing our preview of the Rotherham game, which we recorded last night, just so that if anybody's driving back from Norfolk, there's something for you to listen to when we hit the kill switch on this, which will obviously be in a little bit because we've got some calls to get to. And at the end of it, I have to say, was just one of the funniest ones we've ever recorded because it was just a hoot and it was just generally inappropriate in many ways. So if we've overstepped the mark, as always, we apologise, but never mind. Talking about overstepping the mark, there's a segue. Let's get across to Wendover, see what he says. Greg, how are you doing? And then I'm coming to you, uh, Robert. Uh, Greg, mate, come on in. What did you think today? If Saturday was uh, was frustrating, surely today was with bells on. Good evening, Peter. Good evening. Um, can I firstly say something not Watford related or football related? Yes, Rest of course. Complete peace, Steve Wright. Feels like a part of my childhood died today. It's yeah, nice to listening to Steve Wright and rest in peace, sir. Yeah, frustrating on Saturday. I'm more angry tonight, really. But yeah, actually, first thing I want to say, and I love you, but people are allowed to be happy clappers. If they want to be happy... Actually, there's no such thing as a happy clapper. People are what they want to be, and they're allowed to be what they want to be. Particularly, Fair particularly the people that actually turn up and go go to the games. They they are in that case entitled to be whatever they want to be. They are absolutely. And in the interest of balance, not that I'm particularly bothered at being balanced. Anybody who's seen me topple over most of the times, uh, I fell down the stairs the other day. Balance is not something I do very well. People also have the absolute right to turn around and say, I don't like this. I don't like the manager. I don't like the owner. I don't like all of that is what we come here to discuss. And it's just a question of not making sure we don't let it 
Ryerless, especially in Nan's case, when he's when he's he wasn't even on the stairs when he fell down. Yeah. He was in the kitchen. Yeah. So just look after yourself, and that's nice. Yeah, important. yeah. Anyway, tonight, I, tonight, I, let's get on to, yeah, to things I, I, tonight. I was listening to it, watching it actually on a Norwich stream, and in that period just before Yasser scored, it's doom and gloom. Their commentators were, well, what for? They're going to come back. What for? They're going to win this. Yasser puts that one away, and then we stop playing again. Very frustrating with the manager. My yeah, I'm not foul out. Of course I'm not. But what I would have done tonight, we've got plenty of people that can play out wide. Plenty of people that can play out wide. I would have taken Raj off and put, and put Emmanuel Dennis down the middle because I think when you are a bit rusty, it's probably easier to play down the middle and use your pace than it is out wide. So I think that was a catastrophic mistake. Rajivik should have gone off and and Dennis should have played down the middle. The thing that I noticed on, on Saturday, it'd be interesting if anybody agrees, disagrees, pop it in the five words or the long word comment. Pete, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm quite happy to hear all of that. One of the things that was interesting was when he was playing on down the centre, one, when the ball's playing him to him, he's in a more congested yeah. area and he is playing with his back to goal. He does keep the ball a bit better. When he was out when he was out wide tonight, he was up against one or most of the time, two players because Jamal Lewis was often in a different postcode and he would either, and he, 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 his use of the ball was dreadful. He had a shocking game tonight. What he did on Saturday, he might pull right or pull pull left and then what he's doing is creating an overload for us in that particular area. He wouldn't go all the way left or all the way right, but he would might have a bias. There was a, a moment where he received the ball and he was almost on the right side, almost where the uh, where the D of the penalty area just intersects. And he just got himself on the half turn. He was slightly right, half turn, and then got a shot away. Today didn't help him because he was constantly yeah. doubled up on the moment yeah. he got it, but he didn't do himself any favours. He was incredibly frustrated. And, and of course, he'd come on at at the point whereby everything suddenly changed. Yeah. And I was listening to the Red Buttons, guy on the Red Button, who had a, I didn't get her name, a commentator who was really good, I have to say. She was top draw in as much as most commentators drive me to insanity. She didn't at all. She was very good. And it, it, she was like saying, yeah, Watford, it's completely with Watford. We were thoroughly Absolutely. dominant until we scored They're that. Correct. And exactly as we heard with, uh, with from Dylan, the first call of the, the night, it looked like we went, well, we're here for two all. Now we'll yeah, shut up yeah. shop and now we stop doing things, which was odd and quite right as per Alan's call. We mustn't ever forget that uh, that Stuart Atwell is indeed an arsehole. So there we go. But he the, didn't the, help. The Norwich fans were on the team's back at 2-1. They were on mm. their back. And the managers they, were making the changes. They could see what was coming. But he has criticised Martins this evening. I thought he was dreadful. I thought Mark. Yeah, I, I know Rich is a big Martins fan. Can't see it myself. Can't see it myself. I thought tonight he was dreadful. Yeah, he was good earlier on in the season when the sun was shining, the pitches were, were when the weather was better. But I thought he was atrocious this evening, Martins. Personally, maybe I'm looking at a different game than everybody else. But I thought he was appalling. Yeah, I think his and I've been as big an advocate as possible to calling for to uninvert 
the wingers because of Ryovic needing that kind of supply. But on the right, he's not providing that kind of supply because he's not an orthodox winger. He is a second line wide forward in a 4-2-3-1. And we play 4-3-3 and throw him right out wide and then ask him to ping the ball in the box. If he does it with his on the left, he cuts in and has that shot that we yeah. know is there. On the right, he's just not got the crossing. I did say the, to one of the groups that I was in, I wondered whether or not, you remember we had the, uh, the Nutmeg World, World Cup or the world record for that. I did wonder whether or not we're going for the uh, world record of overhit crosses from, uh, from wide yeah. positions. Because we've got somebody in there, but you can see demonstrably there is, guys, go and do a crossing session or eight because it, it needs to be done. If we're going to rely on crossing from the wide areas, let's at least get an understanding of when the ball is in this position. These are the areas you're looking to hit. So much of it still yeah. and, and it looks so improvised. And it's just, there's very little understanding of this is where I'm making this run. Typically, you will see the player at the back post trying to make the run across and the player at the near post then tug back out to try and lose them. And we don't. We stand like Agreed. statuesque Agreed. and it's just a great not, not enough bodies in the box and the ones who are in there are too, well, too well, still. Peter, two points on, 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 on that subject. Go on, mate, and then we're coming to Robert. Yep, far away. We see what happens when a winger or a wide player goes right to the byline and crosses the ball for their first goal. The far post header from our friend Ashley, what's his name? Ashley so Barnes, yes. goes to the byline, gets the crossing, bang, header. My second point is... We've employed a high-end ex-Spurs Italian corner coach. Set piece. <laughs> what the bloody hell is he doing a week with them? Our corners tonight were dreadful. Absolute, well, Watford corners, some set pieces have been dreadful for many years. But since this guy's come in, they seem to have got worse. They're absolutely dreadful. And, uh, yeah, uh, what is he doing? My very last point is I also listened to the Kira Maguire piece. Yep. It isn't all doom and gloom because he did say within our operating cost, he can see like non some non-footballing lines that could... He didn't say non-footballing. He didn't say non-footballing. He said fat that could be cut. Okay. It's not non... It's not... There will be, don't get me wrong, there will be areas of all areas, uh, elements yeah. of the club that you could ask whether or not we really yeah. need basically 600 stewards all queuing up to try to take me on like it's a, an American football pack. You could... There, there's a number of places where yeah. things will be ha- having to be pulled back in. But let's not forget, at the moment, they have made a profit, yeah. right? They have made a profit. The point is... and and. It's about, I saw somebody who who I know and I like a great deal on Facebook, which I don't frequent often, saying, for all of those people who said we've got financial problems, look, £66.2 million turnover, best in the division, there you go. Turnover means diddly shit. That means how yeah, big, how much water somebody is pouring in the bucket. The problem is how big but, the hole is in the bucket at the moment, and we need to yeah, have a smaller hole in the bucket. Is, it wasn't all doom and gloom. And if you read some things you read on Twitter, it is all doom and gloom. And, and yeah, but I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm not. No, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my point here because the great thing about Kieran Maguire, and he did make the point about it, but he makes the point in only the way that Kieran Maguire can. Because Kieran Maguire, if you don't know it, he does an excellent podcast with him and Kevin Davis, who is a thoroughly funny guy and a nice fella, apart from the fact that he's a Palace fan. You have to forgive him that. But they do an excellent podcast called The Price of Football. He points out constantly that the football 
kind of world is barking when it comes to finances. And he turns around and says, well, look at Millwall. Look at, who was the other one he called out? I can't remember. Um, Bristol City. And look at this one. They've got owners who don't mind losing yeah. $2 million a, a month. If you lose $2 million a month, that is $24 million a year. After three years, you are being dropped points like Luton because you have so far spunked through the $39 million over three years FFP. It's about making sure the operational side of the club is sustainable. And I appreciate that is not sexy. I appreciate that is not going to turn into oh, well, that's great. We're going to be able to keep Kone or we're going to keep Espria for long periods of time. We have to bring them in, polish them up and move them through because the operational side of the business, I can't say this enough, is losing money hand over fist. Improve that, yes. Bring in players to polish up, use the academy well, box clever, which we haven't done for several years, and then we might be looking at something organically that we can really call our own. That would be that would be really sexy. The problem with Kieran, for me, is he turns around and says, well, it's not as bad as somebody else in, uh, in the league. You're not as bad as Chelsea. You're not as bad as this. I don't give a monkey's fuck about what Chelsea are doing or what Crystal Palace are doing or anybody. Yes, I would hate to see any club go to the wall, but not on the seismic level that I would be bereft if my club went to the wall. And that's what we want to make sure doesn't happen. So uh, the the one thing I will label at him, it's in his interest to turn around and say, Oh, it's all berserk, but it's just fun, and isn't it games? And and that we're always a selling club. Absolutely. We have to turn, by my estimation on this, 20 million in player profits a year to pay what we're doing at the moment, every single season. Well, we have to have... We have historically, outside of the Premier have League, we have... What, sold over 20 million? No, because what we do is when we when we get relegated, we basically shift everything out of the uh, out of the wage bill to try to bring stuff, you know, to, to basically halve it down because we've overextended ourselves because we're the, the team who went into the Premiership and lost catastrophic amounts of money. We never made more than £10 million in the Premier League. We've made more than that this time because of the player trading. My focus on that, which is why I said, where are the next players coming from? Okay, we can see Andrews, we can see Kone. You probably see loser go, but we're probably going to take a loss on him over what we played, but that's fine. And you probably have something along the lines of, who else am I missing? Who else am I missing? Who Asprea, of course, would go. But then who else is there? Now, players might come up, they might push up, they might nature a balls a vacuum for every time you sell a Marvin Sordell, you get a Danny Graham coming through. Let's hope that's the case. But so, so KMB not, is it worth anything, Peter? Sorry? So KMB is worth anything? No, KMB is not worth anything. He, at what age is KMB? 28? He's had he was basically not good enough for Angle and Lex. He went to Upen. He got picked up by a Mogi buyer and then stuffed to us because it was convenient to do so. Well, I, I would suggest that if we got three, got to, he, he's, had yeah. I, I, he's had a good I half a season. He's had a good half season. Let's have a look. How old Kieran is he? was asked directly by it wasn't John. It wasn't John. It, it was Mike, Mike doing the interview. interview. If you're a Watford fan, would you be worried? He was directly asked that question, and he said, "Not unduly." Right? Do you know how much debt Brighton have got? A lot. Three hundred and eighty million. Yeah. He's not concerned about that. I'm not really caring what he thinks about Watford because Watford have a completely different model. It's only about Watford that I care about. And the thing is, you cannot spend money that you do not have. You cannot. You, you can take a look at the. You, you can choose to take a look at the turnover. You can choose to look at whatever you like. But the operating model, how much money without selling anybody, that club is losing per week is half a million pounds. 
That is not sustainable. You can tell me all, all you like that it is and we'll sell somebody, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to really work hard to convince me it's not because you're going to have to explain to me where we have a half million income per year, or sorry, per week model, because we don't have that. We haven't sold that many players each time. They have done it well here, but look what they had to do. We had to sell Yao Pedro in April, right? Tell me any club that has sold their player openly. It was announced in April in order to get it into the numbers because otherwise the numbers wouldn't have looked good. That was not a planned tactic. It really wasn't, not in my view. But anyway, me and Wendover can have a good old, <laughs> we can have another good old chat about this another time because we've got loads of people to go yeah. and talk to as well. But for me, I get what your point is. We've got some profit in there, absolutely. What we then need to look at is why we didn't go and sign those next players to come in. The ones who aren't going to cost us an awful lot, but could give us some extra legs now and also more well, to I polish know, up. I Do I think Kim beats that? What, no, not personally. I know for fact on one that we wanted to, and, the, and we wanted to do it all, all window. Peterborough just could not find a replacement, and he would have been, yeah, and but he we, would have been a gem, but, gem to polish. Maybe they're, they're. But you and I know. But you and I know that the transfer window opens on January and it shuts at the start of February. Yeah. Right. If you put in an offer and they couldn't find source of replacement in any of that time, I would suggest it was because you didn't put it in on the 2nd or 3rd of January. You put it in on about the 29th of January because you were hoping that nobody else was in for it and you're trying to box clever. When that happens, that might not might work against you. Tried, as I say, Butters, no parsnips. There you yeah, go. There's a good phrase. You can only spend money once, Pete. And if you spend your money and get it wrong with a panic buy, that's even a bigger problem. So maybe we're not going up next season and maybe there was some money to spend, which one would hope they can then spend in the summer. One would hope on these gems to polish, on these two and a half million pound prospects that need another little polish to send them to, to them sell them for 10 million let's hope we have to hope that's the case and the what nani has got in because he did only come in december but he, he was very adamant that all the notes have been left from Giretta, which presumably had, was basically one A4 piece of paper with Ring Dennis written yeah. on it. Yeah. And don't forget, in the summer, we said exactly the same thing about January. It was always, well, we've got 20 or 30 million that, that was chosen not to spend. I think that was good corporate citizenship, and I've got no problems with Val saying that, but do I think that was actually the case? No, I think what's going on at, and don't get me wrong, this isn't doom and gloom from me. This is good corporate management. This is good husbandry of the club. Because, and, and I appreciate Ant's point of view earlier on in terms of saying, look, it's not good enough since my, I don't disagree with that one bit. I get it completely. I want to make sure that there is a club to go there and support. That's but fundamentally it. That's They've fundamentally done, it. Pete, moving in the right direction. Yeah. And I have said that, but I have also given the warning that the underlying trend, because I, I disagree that you just look at these numbers objectively and go, oh, is that what happened last year? Oh, fine. Nothing we can learn from that. What you do is you learn from what is in the numbers and you establish a strategy to go forward. And the component part that is missing from that strategy is about basically we've got a conveyor belt which says development of players and you put players on one end and they develop over, I don't know, for Richarlison, it might be 12 months and for other for Yao Pedro, it might be three years. And you put them on one end and eventually they fall off the other and you get money. We stop putting them on the first end. And that's what we've got right? to start. You talk, about, you talk about panic, you talk about panic buys. 
we've got Ryovic playing today, right? He scored a goal, which you yourself said, it looks like he was trying to miss it. Now, it, it, he is the player he is. He can only be what he is. And we probably really have to give him a good closed no, season, a real pre-season to see He's the worth best. more than we paid for him right. today. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, we, if we do that, we've got to replace him somehow. So hopefully we get back to that strategy. Brilliant Chris, stuff. Chris. Greg, always, no, mate, always a pleasure. This is exactly the point, And I always say it when Rich comes on, I love it when somebody comes on and completely disagrees with me. And I'm sorry if I went off on one there, but hey-ho, that's what I do. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.